Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. We are so happy you are joining us today. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Let's jump in. Would you open your Bible to um, the book of Matthew? Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to be spending the bulk of our time today. Matthew chapter 14. If you need to look it up in the table of contents in your Bible, we've got a Bible app on your phone or you need to Google it. Matthew 14. Uh, The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all life teaching ministry of Jesus. And we're looking at Jesus through this series. Uh, That's why it's called Jesus Way because God had a decision to make a couple thousand years ago. The world was spinning, spiraling in sinfulness and out of control, desperate need of salvation. And God made a very intentional decision. Instead of sitting back at a distance from the mayhem called mankind, God made a decision to send his very own son into the mess that we call real life. He sent his son with a very intentional purpose to become a picture of the way life could be, should be, needs to be, the way relationships are to be. Jesus walked this earth. I I love how John 1, 14, we'll get to Matthew 14 in just a second. John 1 says, and the word Jesus became flesh. God actually put on flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. The word seen here is so important. You and I see a lot of stuff in this life. And we have a living picture in Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record the living picture of who Jesus Christ is. The glory of God walking here on earth. Glory as the only son from the Father. Listen, full, full of grace and truth. When God sent his son to earth, yes, he sent him to save us from our sin, but he also sent him to show us, to give us a picture of what life was to look like, what relationships were to look like. Every one of us has a relational way about us, how we do relationships. Maybe you grew up in a family that had a a very um, certain way about relationship. Maybe, Maybe one that was very influential and charismatic or one that was very quiet and kind of reclusive or whatever. And we have models that we've picked up through life of how to do relationship. And most of us, as the pressure has been on the last couple of years through all of this craziness of our our life and our world, as the pressure has come on us, many of us have reverted to kind of the base version of ourselves when it comes to relationship. And for a lot of us, it's not very pretty. We're doing relationship the way we kind of picked up from life and, and everybody around us, our families. And I believe this conversation is going to help us to not just settle into relationships the way everybody else does relationship, but to learn relationship Jesus' way. And to look at him not just as a savior, but also as a picture of the kind of people we are to be. I really believe like God had a decision to make a couple thousand years ago. We have a decision to make. That we can just kind of sit in grief and mourn the way life used to be and the way our country used to be and the way politics used to be and the way things were. Or we can make a decision to engage and say, you know what, I'm not going to wait for the world to be different. I'm going to become a different person in the midst of this mess. And I really believe that God wants to call us 
out of the way that the world is doing relationship right now and invite us into his way. We're going to talk about compassion today. We need to talk about compassion, don't we? I remember when I I first got called to ministry, I was 18 years old. I was fired up. Well, I'm still fired up, but I, I was really fired up then. And I remember having this like grand kind of picture in my mind of like being used by God. And it was going to be awesome. It was going to be so good, like world changing good, right? Like this was going to be so amazing to be used by God. I'm 18. I'm so idealistic. I just started in Bible school and my youth pastor gave me the green light. I'll never forget it. It was a Tuesday night. We had youth ministry on Tuesday nights and uh, he gave me the green light. I'd gone through some training and equipping and tonight was the night that I was finally going to get to pray with students at our youth ministry. And I'm like, yes, miracles are going to happen tonight. Like, this is going to be so good. And it was a powerful night. And he, I remember him telling me, okay, at the end of my sermon, I'm going to invite people forward to come pray. And I want you to be one of those people up here when you pray with people. And when you pray with them, you know, put your hand on the shoulder and just, you know, have gum in your mouth and like, you know, make sure like you're ready to go. I was ready. And I remember this, this first young middle school boy, he, he walked up to me and just sobbing. You know, I'm like, oh, yes. Like, this is, <laughs> he's going to come to know Jesus. His legs are going to grow back. Something, right? It's going to be like, it's going to be absolutely amazing what happens in this moment. And I put my hand on his shoulder, had gum in my mouth. I'm like, what is it? What can I pray for tonight? Through his sobs, like literally, like, <gasps> like barely can understand my, my, my cat ran away. And I remember being like, God, come on. Like his cat. I don't even like, what do I pray? Like, can you control cats? God, like, is this even like a thing? Like how do, and I remember in this moment, just being so humbled. This cat matters so much to this little guy. This is not my moment. This is God's moment in his life. This was such a moment for me to go, I didn't call you to do what you think is going to be awesome and glorious and all this. I called you to love people, to serve people, to pastor people. And compassion for me is not like a natural gift set that Richie was born with. Empathy, not something that I'm just like oozing with, right? This takes a lot of work for me to even have this conversation with you today. But I believe that Jesus is inviting us to do something different, to become someone different, and to not wait for things to get different around us in our schools, in our workplaces, not wait for social media to die down and finally, right? It's not. It's not going to get better. Like you and I got to make a decision. Are we going to become a different people or not? And I believe that compassion is Jesus' way. Matthew 14 we get to see a story, Jesus, um, full of compassion. And when I'm talking about compassion, I love this definition. There's all kinds all over the internet. Uh, Berkeley defined it this way. And they're not our key for theology, by the way. But just listen, I love this. Compassion literally means to suffer together. To not stand at a distance when somebody suffers or to judge them for their suffering or to yell at them for their suffering but to suffer with them. Watch how Jesus does this in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to pick up in verse 13 this morning. 
The setting is unique because right before this, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, forerunner of Jesus' ministry, had just been martyred and beheaded. And this is a moment when Jesus was hurting. It was his friend. It was his cousin. He loved him. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened to John the Baptist, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I'm hurting. I need to go be with God. I need to be by myself. But hearing of this, the crowds, they heard about Jesus going away and they followed him on foot from the towns. They walked a long ways. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he got annoyed by them. No, not at all, right? He had compassion on them. He healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples, they came to him. This is so practical. They said, hey, this is a remote place. We're a long ways out. It's already getting late. You got to send these people away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, no, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, we only have five loaves, Jesus, of bread and two fish. And they answered him, like, what do we do with just this little bit? He says, well, bring those things here to me. So he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were all satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Some estimate it could be 15, 20,000 people in this miraculous moment. We can't, can't overlook, like a lot of times we preach this passage and it's all about the miracle that Jesus does. It is a massive miracle of how God provides for the need of people in this moment. But what drives the miracle? Like what motivates the miracle? Not, hey, let me put my glory on display and show everybody what's up and how awesome I am. Let me show them how powerful I am, what I can do with five loaves and two fish. No, no, no. What motivates the heart of God in this moment is a heart of compassion. I want to just break down the setting a little bit. I mean, you see Jesus here. He's going away intentionally to be by himself. He's grieving. He's lost his cousin. And he's not just kind of been... Um, died from natural causes. He was beheaded. He was martyred for, for his faith in Jesus Christ, for his proclamation about who God was, for the sin of Herod and all that he was talking about. And Jesus is hurting. I don't know about you, but when I'm hurting, I don't got much compassion. I need compassion, right? I need people to help me and care for me and, and, and comfort me. And if I look back over the last couple of years as a people, this has been the posture we've been in. I'm hurting. I need help. I need compassion. I need some time alone. I need what I need right now. And we have not been a very outward focus. We've been a very inward focus, right? And I love that Jesus, in the midst of his hurt, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his grieving, his heart is still filled with compassion. He makes a statement to us right here. It would be easy in the midst of hardship to be focused on ourselves, and yet Jesus continues to be focused on other people. It would be tempting to be kind of moved by what we deserve or what we need or what we want out of this life, and Jesus stays focused on others. This setting, I think, says so much because there's times for 
church and nice stuff, Richie, and then there's times for me. And Jesus just blurs all those lines and says, hey, this is what my heart is like. This is my way. This is Jesus' way. It's a way of compassion, not when compassion is convenient, not when compassion makes sense, not when I signed up to be compassionate. Like, I didn't volunteer for this moment, right? I don't got time to be compassionate right now. I've got other things to do, right? I love that, what Jesus does in response to the disciples. They're so practical in this story. Hey, these people are hungry, Jesus. That's a little bit of compassion, right? We got to send them out of here to go get some food. He's like, no, they don't need to leave. You need to give them something to eat. When he's starting in this moment to, I don't know if like this is exactly what Jesus had in mind. There's another uh, uh, passage that tells this story in Jesus. Uh, it says Jesus knew what he intended to do when he invited the disciples into this moment. But, but you see him here going, hey, you guys need to give him something to eat. This goes way beyond reason, Jesus. There's like 15,000 people here and all we've got is five loaves and two fish. I think about how often we might, feel compelled to suffer with somebody, but feel like we lack what it takes to walk with them. We don't have the right strategy. We don't have the right amount of money. We don't have the right amount of time. God, I don't have what it takes in this moment. We don't, we lack. And Jesus is seeming to invite us to a compassionate place, even though it seems to stand against reason. At the same time, through this passage, you see this just heart for Jesus to go, you know what? You may not feel compassionate right now. You may not feel like you have what you need right now to be compassionate. But Jesus is, is not just like compassionate towards the people. He's also compassionate towards his disciples. I love how just intentionally he is. He's like, give me what you have. He doesn't make up bread out of thin air. He takes what they have. And then he hands it back to them after he's blessed it and broke it. And he says, now I want you to go give it to the people. Think of the compassion of Jesus. You, you have nothing to bring to this equation, but I'm going to intentionally use you as a part of my plan to show compassion to this lost and hurting people right here. He hands them the food and now they're the ones that are actually distributing the food. They don't, they don't, the, the people receiving the food don't actually talk to Jesus. They talk to the disciples. They talk to people like you and I who are full of doubt and don't have time and we're kind of annoyed by you and want you to go away to the village to go get your own food, and, right? And, and, and Jesus gives us the food in this story and we're the ones distributing it. We're the ones that are being used by him to bring his compassion to these people. And then just to show like one more bit of amazing compassion, Jesus has some leftovers. You know, there's 12 baskets of leftovers and there's 12 disciples in this story. I just can't imagine like picking this whole basket full up and carrying it back to Jesus. Like <laughs> all my doubts, all my fears, all my insecurities, all my self-centeredness, all the things that were in the way of my compassion. I'm just holding this as this picture of how amazing Jesus is how much he, he wants me to be involved in his purpose, how powerful he is, how loving he even is towards me, like that he would allow me to be a part of this amazing miracle is so humbling. See, I, I think Jesus' people have an opportunity to rise up in a very broken time in history and not rise up with like, 
you know, rage and anger and rights and demands, but to rise up with a soft heart and a heart of compassion, a desire to help people experience the, the love and the compassion of God. I love that he shows this compassion through his disciples. He could have gone around them, but he says, no, I want you to give them something to eat. I want you, Spokane, to see your city for where it is, what it is, those coworkers, those schoolmates, those friends of yours, that family member of yours. I want you to see them the way I see them. And I want to bring my compassion through you and show this world a different way. See, the thing that you and I can't really understand is in church history, there was a letter written in 130. So, so about 100 years after Jesus had died, resurrected, and gone into heaven. There's a letter written about Christians. And it's this, just this amazing picture of like, who are these people? They love when everybody hates them. They sacrifice when, when everybody is running away. They run into the mess, run into the need, run into the brokenness. Like, who are these people? Everybody reviles them, yet they keep loving. Like, there's this outsider perspective looking at Jesus' people going, hey, their way, Jesus' way in them is changing this world. And I really believe that God is calling us in this century, in this time, to stop waiting for things to go back to some other place, but to start right now and go, wait a second. I want to be a part of becoming a different kind of people that God could use to bring his way to this broken time in our history and teach us, Jesus, your way. See, compassion is Jesus' way. So the question for me is, all right, Jesus, how do you grow my compassion? Let's start with this. Number one, if you're writing down notes today, is this, soften your heart. It's so easy for us to get caught up in our world and our stuff and in, in our life and miss what Jesus is doing. And to soften my heart and your heart starts with just seeing people, seeing needs, seeing what is actually going on in our culture, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our world right now. And I think we can feel it and we can hear about it and we can kind of talk about all these things, but to see the people behind it, to see the brokenness, to see what's happening in their lives, the, the stuff that's stressing them out, or the anxiety that's building, the stuff that's moving in people's lives behind the scenes that they don't want to talk about, see them. See, Jesus helps his disciples in Matthew 14. He helps them see this. This is, they go, Jesus, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Like we got to send these people away so they can go to the villages, buy themselves some food. See, they saw the need, but instead of responding to the need, they're like, hey, there's an issue. Somebody should take care of the homeless problem in our city. Right? Look at all these kids these days. They're so messed up. Somebody should do something. We, we should do something about the way this education system is. Somebody should, should do something about these problems. Send them away. Send them back to the villages, Jesus. And it's so easy to see the need, but then to harden our heart again. And not to respond to the need, but to, to put the need on somebody else. Or, or maybe when you see the need to kind of criticize the people who have the need, Right? And you start to kind of figure out how they got where they are. Well, I want to do something about the root problem. And so I'm going to kind of work it back and see, see. And we end up being super judgmental and critical and not actually helping anybody at all. So soften your heart is this process of seeing the needs 
for what they really are. Seeing the people in the needs, seeing the stories in the needs. I remember when we were praying about launching One Heart into not just an annual event like we do this back to school event, but actually putting the center in down there in East Central. And we had seen this building, we had driven around it, and we were meeting the realtor there to look at it, see if we were going to buy it. And we were praying, Lord, is this the neighborhood? Is this the building? Is this the time? Is this the place? Is this what you want us to do? Is this the time for us to respond to the broken kids that we see in our city? And I don't think God could have planned it any better. I honestly don't. Because we're waiting outside the building. Realtor wasn't there yet. And these three little girls run up to my wife and my daughters. I can't remember how old my girls were at the time, but my girls were older than these girls. And they had kind of, they were just, they were dirty and they were rough and they were in a tough spot. But they were super friendly and warm and excited to see us. And so we're talking and chatting and these girls offered to babysit my daughters. I'm serious. They were hustling. They were like, we need money. And so they're like, hey, can we babysit your daughters? You guys look like you have some money. Can we, we'll help you out. You just pay us a little bit. And I remember like, oh, like this is different. And then, and then my wife, you know, she kind of plays it off. Oh, no, 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 you know. And, and, and then she starts asking their names, what school they go to. And I remember this. Hey, when's your guys' birthday? We don't know. I mean, these are like seven, eight, nine-year-old little girls. You don't know when your birthday is? I remember like just this feeling, this overwhelming sense of like, yes, this is the neighborhood I want you to be in. These are the kinds of kids that I want you to love. This is the time. This is the place. I need somebody to help these little girls experience my love and my compassion. And it was like God just sent these messengers. They had no idea that they were messengers, but they were just saying, yes, buy this building. Yes, start one heart here, right on this corner. Yes, start loving kids like us in this city. And the need was just presented in front of us in such a powerful way that it was hard to miss, right? It's not always that easy, not always that obvious. But I think the heart of softening my heart, not getting critical of the needs, but being willing to say, God, This is the people that you've placed in my life. God, would you help bring your compassion through little old me into their life? Soften your heart. Number one. Number two is this. Start small. Like my first youth ministry moment, I did not want to start with praying for lost cats. I wanted to start with miraculous healings and life change and salvation and big moments. I think a lot of times we miss the opportunities that God has for us because we're dreaming about such big things. And there's people in our lives that need us to be willing to see them the way Jesus sees them. And usually there are people that are pretty close to us. It would be, it would be nice to start a nonprofit every time we saw a need, right? But usually it's just like when your three-year-old woke up again this morning. Or when your spouse keeps making that loud chewing noise at dinner, right? And they still have stuff in their teeth. Like, these little moments are not the moments that we would kind of ask for. But, but Jesus is inviting us into these little moments to see people the way he sees people. And I think often we, we have these big grandiose visions of how to change the entire societal landscape. 
and we miss the little tiny moments of the people that are in our lives. See, we, we exist to reach the world. That's a big deal, but how do we do it? One person at a time. It's easy to be big. It's really difficult to be small. It's easy to dream big, think big, look big, plan big, do all these big things and miss the individual that God's got in our lives. See, compassion is not a big thing. It's a small thing. It's one person with one need, one problem, one, one issue that they need somebody to suffer with them. And so this culture will change. People will lead change in this time, but it's not going to be this grandiose plan that we put together and strategize about and whiteboard and, and ask God to bless. It's going to be one little moment at a time. And I believe if you and I are willing to start small with a soft heart, God can do something supernatural. This story is so powerful. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. But they don't need to disappear and get out of your life. They're not annoying. They're not problems. They're people. You give them something to eat, right? Well, Jesus, all we've got is five loaves and two fish. That's okay. Come here. Bring it to me. Jesus doesn't get mad at you for not having enough. He's not like looking down at you like, how could you not love the way I want you to love, right? He is so gracious. Bring him. Give me the five loaves. Give me the two fish. And then what does he do? He, he blesses him. He thanks his father. He blesses him. that little tiny bit that you have, and he makes it something supernatural. He makes it something way beyond what you could have ever made it. You think it's just a smile. Oh, it's just this little kind word. Oh, it's just giving somebody your spot in line. It's just deciding not to reply on that social post, right? It's just these little tiny moments when, when Jesus takes that little tiny moment of, of what seems like nothing and he multiplies it. He makes it something supernatural. Enough of these little tiny moments, starting small like this, makes a miracle in the midst of who we are and where we're at as a people. And I really believe that God has a vision for us as a church to, to be willing to learn Jesus' way of relationship. We talk a lot about relationship. We make disciples in relationship. And a lot of times we throw all of our baggage and all of our kind of previous notions on this word relationship. And it's tempting to just throw it out because it's too hard to redefine. <laughs> my, my hope and my heart in this serious is not to throw out the word relationship because it is such a train wreck right now, but to go back to Jesus and to realign our hearts with his heart. He came and he walked on this earth to show us his way. John says that we have seen the glory. We have seen Jesus full of grace and truth. We have seen what it looks like to walk this earth prompted by the living God, full of compassion, full of grace, full of the, the power and the truth of who God is. We have seen what this looks like. Let's be those kind of people that see Jesus' way, walk Jesus' way, trust Jesus to bring his power through us, to take our little tiny bit and make it something supernatural. Compassion is Jesus' way. And I believe that God wants to give you a picture he wants to give you people. He wants to give you moments to bring you to this place of Jesus. Well, all I've got is, yes, the underqualified feeling like I don't have what it takes is exactly where Jesus wants us.
Because this is the invitation from him to go, hey, you, you never were the origin of compassion in the first place. I've always been. And for you and I to recognize the compassion Jesus showed not only to the crowds in this story, but also to the disciples is the same compassion he has today for every single one of us. Anyone in this room that would just see the love and the grace of Jesus Christ extended towards you, just receiving that today and going, wait a second, I am not the source of compassion for this life. Jesus, you are. And the closer I am to Jesus, the more I know Jesus, the more his compassion can get through me to this world. So really the invitation then is just to once again, just stop and reflect and go, wait a second. Think of the compassion of Jesus in your life. Think of where you were when he saw you. Think of the pain that you caused in those people's lives. Think of the forgiveness that he's extended to you. Think of the moments where he's chosen once again to say, hey, I still want you to be a part of my thing. I know you messed it up. I know you, you, you burned all those bridges, but I still want you to experience my life, my freedom, my joy. See, this is where compassion comes from. It's not from you trying to be more compassionate, but from Jesus working through you, loving through you, serving through you. So today, here's where I want to start. The communion team is coming right now with the elements of communion. If you guys would, just pass those out. I want you to take one cup, and there's the bread underneath and the, the drink on top, and I want you to hold on to it so we can receive it together in a moment. But this is an opportunity for us to be confronted once again with the compassion of Jesus toward us. See, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus came and he did. He walked this earth sinless and perfect. But he came not to demonstrate, hey, this is, this is how awesome I am. He came to show us his way and to give us his perfection in exchange for all of our imperfection. And so, I got one, thank you. So Jesus comes into our stories, into our messes, not when we get our life all cleaned up, but while we were still sinners. Think of the compassion of Jesus in this. That he would see us at our worst and still love us. Think of that word, compassion, to suffer together. You know, Jesus' title in Isaiah is the suffering servant. That he wouldn't come to this world and kind of isolate himself from the mess of this world, but that he'd walk right into it and actually take the weight of our sin and shame on himself. He'd actually suffer on our behalf. That he'd walk into sin. He'd walk into all of our brokenness and take it on himself. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is willing to suffer with you, for you, and exchange all of your imperfection for his perfection. So to soften our hearts today, just want you to spend a moment right now reflecting on Jesus coming to you. Maybe it's right now he's coming to you. He's going, I see you. I know who you are, where you've been. And yet I choose you. I accept you. I love you. I want you. 
not going to just tolerate you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to empower you for that purpose. I'm going to transform you. Jesus, we just receive your compassion today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to pray for somebody. God's been laying on your heart during this whole time. God, help me to see them the way you see them. Help me to have your heart towards them. God, forgive me for my criticism, my judgment towards them. God, make me willing to suffer with them. God, I don't have much, but what I do have, God, I just bring to you right now willing heart, desire to be used by you. I don't feel like I have enough. I don't know what to say, how to go about it, but Jesus, I'm willing. on his compassion as we receive communion together today. See, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. Let's see and remember the compassion of Jesus. The same way after dinner, he took the cup and he says, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this, remember me. Let's drink and remember Jesus. God, you see every heart in this room. You know, every story, every pain, every fear, everything we lack, God, yet you still call us. You invite us, Jesus, to be a part of your miracle, your love, your grace, moving through each of us, God, to this city, to our families, to our schools, to our neighbors, God. You've got people in mind for each of us, Lord. Today, we don't have everything figured out, but we just say yes, Jesus. We are yours. We are your servants, God. We will go where you send us. We will love who you give us to love. We will walk the way you walked. God, we will walk with compassion, Jesus. We're yours. We just receive your love and your compassion. God, would we be a people that you could get your compassion through to the city, God? Thanks again for tuning in to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We want to encourage you and help point you closer to Jesus. So be sure to visit our website or to reach out on that phone number. We love you, Real Life. See you next time.